0: Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, LO underscore penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this podcast your first listen of the hashtag first listen. I need to start incorporating that onto all the tweets that I put out on both the, both Twitter accounts that I use. But um, another day, another 20 to 25 minutes where I spew about this team to all. Well. Again, I can't... Um, I appreciate every listener that takes time out of their day to listen to me talk about this team in both a positive and a negative manner. Obviously, I know lately it's been a lot more negative just because the team has been playing like crap. But hopefully that third period is able to, well, the third period that they played against Buffalo, can carry over into their next game against Montreal. That will be the topic of our first segment of of this show. We're going to preview that game against the Canadiens, go over some of their lines, go over why they've been struggling this year after getting to the final Last year we're also going to go over a little more detail surrounding the penguin sale. Um Dayan De- Kovachevich had a big exclusive article on his site um early this morning, actually, that detailed some things that were not originally reported. And then Elliot Freeman had um a couple of things that he put in the 32 Thoughts um blog, not the podcast that um I listened to. So we're gonna go into that there as well. And then some other practice notes and nuggets that I saw from the penguins. Earlier today on Wednesday, so to get into this, so the Penguins' next opponent, if there's any time to get a freaking win and snap this three-game losing streak and break, you know, the eight out of ten they've lost, it is the Montreal Canadiens. This is a team that is really bad this year, and you know, one of my main predictions for the NHL season was that Montreal was not going to be good. You know, I didn't expect four and twelve and two out of the gate. Um, but also, when you think about, it, they've also actually also lost eight out of their last ten as well, two and six and two, just like the Penguins. And their goal differential is minus twenty three. They've also lost three in a row as well. But you look at the players that the Habs lost last year, or coming into this year, right? Philip Deneau goes to Los Angeles. He was one of the best two way shutdown centers in the league. They have no Shea Weber anymore. He's not going to play ever again due to um a lot of injuries that you know he's gone through i think this latest one i want to say it's a foot injury his body just basically i think broke down on him at this point you know and i just I, I feel really bad because he was always so much fun to watch always had that cannon of a shot where it was just like you knew it was going in even if it was from 50 to 55 feet out i think that thing went I don't even know, 110, 115 when Weber was in his prime. I remember when that trade first happened with Suban with and we all laughed at it. And then, you know, all these years later, it looks like that Montreal actually got the better end of that deal. Obviously, we all know what's happened with Kerry Price. He released that huge statement. I believe it was about a week ago that he entered a program for substance abuse. He actually had a a big post on Instagram. He said he basically let himself get to a very dark place, didn't have the tools to cope with that struggle. So he just entered a treatment facility to cope with substance abuse. So um, I'm really hoping he's doing well right now. And I am rooting like heck for him uh, to come back stronger than ever after this, I think he has rejoined the team in some capacity, but it's still going to be a little while before um, he's playing games for the Canadians. So um, that's obviously been a big loss. He's one of the best goaltenders in the league when he is on his game. And then, you know, they traded for Christian Dvorak from Arizona after they lost Yemi. Kakaniyemi. Um, but that, that, that that's just not really helped them move the needle that much. Their lines this season, Tyler Toffoli with Nick Suzuki and Brendan Gallagher on the top line. I mean, that's a pretty good top line. It's just after that where it's not as good. I mean, Drew Ann, it's nice to see him back. I think he scored in his first game back this year. You know, he's also went through um, a lot of stuff in his career, had to miss all of last season. I want to say it was due to insomnia, which is caused by anxiety. Again, um, great that he is back. You know, he was always so much fun to watch while he was with Tampa Bay, especially in that 2016 run. I thought he was their best player, to be honest. And then the few years after that with Montreal, I always thought he was good there as well. He's on that second line with Christian Dvorak and Josh Anderson. Uh, what a bad contract that Anderson one has turned out to be. It was a laughable one at the time. Um, it's gotten even worse. Um, about what, a year, a year and a half later, I just did not understand what Mark Virgin was doing there. Jake Evans on the third line with Terry Lekkanen and UL Armia. Armia was a player that I really liked for Pittsburgh during this offseason, but you know, he ended up, um, basically going back to Montreal and then, um, their fourth line is just made up of, I think, uh, three mark donks, I think is how I would I would describe it. Defensively, they're kind of a bit of a mess, though Jeff Petrie on the top pairing, he is very underrated. I think he's going to get a lot of consideration for Team USA. Ben Sherratt is next to him. I think Sherratt is a good defenseman, but as a top pairing guy, probably not. Uh, Brent Kulak with David Savard. I almost forgot that Savard was on Montreal just because he was with Tampa Bay last year when they went back-to-back and then signed with Montreal. In the offseason, Chris Weidman and Alexander Romanov are on the third pair. And then in net, if I'm not mistaken, it will be almost it's not Jake Allen. He is out with an injury. So they're two goalies right now. Sam Montabu, who I have no idea who that guy is. And then Caden Primo. I'm pretty sure he's a call-up from their AHL team. It is actually crazy how banged up Montreal is right now. Mike Hoffman's day-to-day. Jake Allen's out. Carey Price, obviously, you know, he's been out with what I talked about a few minutes ago. Uh, I talked about Paul Byron, Cedric Paquette, Joel Edmondson, Matthew Perreault, and then of course Weber. So um, these are a lot of injuries for the Habs. It's no surprise that they're struggling even worse than some people thought they would this year. And You know, again, going into this season, I knew they would miss the playoffs, even if healthy, just because the Atlantic is much deeper this season. I mean, Florida is really good. Tampa Bay is always really good. Toronto is going to be good. And Boston should make the playoffs even without Tukaras for most of the season. That's why they signed Linus Olmourke after that. Um, That 5th and 6th, 7th and all those other spots are up for grabs from all the other teams. I just could not see Montreal getting in this year. And it it looks like that. Um, They're basically cooked right from the get-go. Their underlying numbers this year have been pretty bad at 5v5. They only have 48% of the expected goals but 41.6% of the actual goals. So they are not finishing their chances at all uh, shot attempts for Corsi, so 51.4% of those at 5v5. That's not too terrible. They're usually one of the more savvy teams underlying numbers-wise, especially last season. I think they were top five in expected goals, somewhere around there, top five, top ten. I think they were the year before that as well. So to see them really struggle in both those categories this season – um, that's one of the main reasons, again, that they're just, they're not that good this year. Their actual goals for per 60, 1.74. That's one of the worst marks in the league. So not only can they not score, um, they also can't defend either. Their goals against per 60 is 2.43. So they're giving up a lot the other way and they're not cashing in on any of their chances. Their expected goals for per 60, 2.23 for an actual goal score of 1.74. So again, they're not finishing their chances at all. So it has just been a struggle. All year for the Habs. And then I'm going to, I'll be curious to see what happens with Mark Bergevin. Um, after this season, there's been a lot of rumors that if he's going to, you know, stay. Is he going to sign an extension? Is he going to, you know, leave after his contract is up? Who knows at this point? But, um, it's definitely been a hard year for Montreal. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of big decisions from them just because, you know, they were three wins away from winning the cup this past year and with what they lost. I don't think that regime is going to panic them. As you usually see Bergevin make a panic trade by now, but with how much they've dealt with this season, I just I can't see that. But overall, um, this is a very winnable matchup for the Penguins. They are deeper on all four lines. Their de- their defense is better. They're playing against a third or fourth string goalie uh, in that game. I know it's on the road. The bell center's always loud. The fans are loud back there, of course. But um, this should still be a game that the Penguins should win um, so that they can break their three-game losing streak and get out of that 8 out of their last 10, Funk, as well. So, that will be the first of three games in Canada. Their next one will be at Toronto this weekend, and then they will go to Winnipeg to play the Jets after that before returning home for a game, I believe, against Vancouver. Then they go to the UBS Arena to play the Islanders, and I think the Western Canada trip is coming up pretty soon, After that, as well. So, a lot of road games coming up for Pittsburgh, and they're going to have to start banking a lot of points. Hopefully, this is the one they started with against Montreal because they are already very behind the pack in the Metro right now. The Rangers are playing a lot better than I anticipated this season. The Capitals continue to gain points. The Flyers are playing pretty well. Even Columbus is hanging in there a little bit. But, you know, the time is now to start banking points before um, it's too late. So remember, coming up in this next segment, we're going to touch on some more details surrounding the Penguins' potential pending sale, and if that's going to be announced pretty soon, and how much the team could go for. But before we do that, um, I love Thanksgiving. We're about a week away. There's all that good food and treats but maybe you want a yummy dessert but isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for built Bars. Bilt Bar is the new holiday dessert. You can feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie dessert with coconut Bilt Bar, or go for a raspberry Bilt Bar instead of a raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace Any pie, they're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're a great option for when you're hungry, even when it's not Thanksgiving. Still, go for a Bilt Bar or two. Who who cares, right? Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Bilt Bar yet or something like that. Remember, there's also new surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Bilt.com regularly, so please check the site Often you can go to built.com and use promo code locked15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That is promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host Hunter Hodies. Remember to follow me on Twitter at hunterhodges. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And again, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So, keeping up with this big breaking news story with the Penguins' uh, potential sale that could be announced as early as Thursday, Elliot Freeman posted in his 32 Thoughts blog today and says that the sale could have ramifications around the league. I am very curious to see if it gets upwards of $900 million. No one has ever confirmed it, but there were rumors a couple years ago that previous sale attempts fell through with the Penguins because NHL said that it cannot sell for less than $750 million. That was also before the US TV deals, and should the Penguins get $900 million for this sale? You have to wonder if we could see more sales around the league. Fenway Sports Group wasn't the only bidder, so there is a lot of interest in Pittsburgh. I'm also curious to see if Fenway sees the Penguins as the final piece of their puzzle with their other properties, with the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool, to create their own streaming platform. So, a lot to get into there with Friedman's reporting. $900 million, that is... I mean, I don't have to tell you all that are listening to this podcast. That is a lot of money, money that I will surely never have. And um, that just goes to show how valued this franchise is. Remember when Mario and Ron Burkle bought it, right? I mean, it was worth what? Around, it was even worth $100 million at the time in 1999. It could have been less. Now, 20 years later, with how much this franchise has accomplished since Burko and Mario bought it, three Stanley Cups, 15 straight playoff appearances, the team could be worth up to $900 million. I mean, that is just insane. That's got to be one of the highest marks in the NHL. There's also that point that Elliot made, could Fenway Sports Group create their own streaming platform? So what that would, would mean for you all, um, if this gets confirmed and if they do this, so they would have the Red Sox games, on their own platform, as would Liverpool. And I think the Penguins games would also have their own platform on there as well. I think that would mean they would be off ATT and t Sportsnet. Uh, I, I don't know for sure on the details on that. I'm going to have to maybe talk to a couple people and see how um, it, it would play out. But I think the Penguins would potentially have to get, I guess, a new studio team, new color commentators, a new replacement for Steve Mears. That's just me speculating. I could be dead wrong on that, but that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, and Elliot is also kind of speculating here with, you know, them launching their own streaming platform for all the games. But I'll be curious to see if that is in the cards. um, If this sale gets closed... And, you know, when the press conferences, remember, the Board of Governors, I think, on Fenway Sports Group, they all have to vote on this. I think the Penguins have to vote on this. And then once that is set, it then goes to the NHL's Board of Governors where they have to approve the sale. And then voila, you know, and then it's finalized. So it's pretty interesting, you know, especially a few years ago that the NHL said nothing less than $750 million. That is, I guess, because they didn't want teams going for cheap. But I think this is where you're going to start to see a lot of these sports teams go. And Elliot, you know, talked about that um, in his blog here because some of these big conglomerates, they're going to try to gobble up as many sports franchises as they can. You know, I'm sure some Ottawa Senators fans are going to love um, the news that maybe Eugene Melnick could sell to a big sports conglomerate, um, a couple other owners, I'm sure, you know, maybe even you know, the Washington football team with Dan Snyder just because he's a complete moron and a whole bunch of others as well. But again, this is good news for the Penguins, there's not really going to be much change with their day-to-day operations. It's just going to be a new head man at the top. Mario is still going to be involved with the team on an everyday capacity as a minority owner. He'll still be handling a lot of the hockey side stuff, you know, making sure all the contracts are signed and all that. And I think as long as Mario is there, um, you know, the, the core will retire together. I, I definitely think that. And now getting to DK's article, um, this was actually so confirmed here. So the initial investment in 1999. Um, when berkeley and Lemieux bought it, 22 million dollars. So I was way off with that 100 million thing. The fact that their initial investment was 22 million, now that the team may be sold for 900 freaking million dollars, I mean that that is insane. They're they're getting out at the right time, especially with the franchise getting into the later years of the Sid and Gino era. But that is incredible that they're going to get that much money um, for the franchise. I will also say this, so Burkle apparently might still remain with the team according to DK, so that goes against what he said earlier in the day, but apparently um, a couple sources sounds like pushed back on that and told him... That Burkle might be changing his mind. So have to see what happens with that regard. If this does get done, um, DK also reports that the Fenway group contacted the Penguins. It was not the other way around. And again, for those who think that the Penguins are going to move at some point for as, lo- for as long as these owners are there, I mean, that's just not going to happen. You know, they had almost 700 consecutive su- shutouts, one of the best TV ratings in the U.S. They also have, I think, a lease on PPG Paints Arena until 2040. This team is not going anywhere, anytime soon, especially with the fan base that they have. And, you know, again, the at least deal on PPG Paints Arena and all that jazz. And I liked this point overall here from DK. He writes, the Red Sox hadn't won a dang thing for a century. Then they won four World Series under John Henry's ownership. He owns the Fenway Sports Group. So he will be the primary owner of the Penguins since he owns that company. He also says Liverpool hadn't won an English Premier League Championship in three decades until capturing the 2020 title a year after taking home the Champions League title. All of that came in non-salary cap settings, meaning the ownership commitment had to be more monetary than anything. So yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens as this will be the first team that they would own that is in a salary cap league. But I still think they will try to spend to the cap, or you know, I think Hextall and Burke will have the ownership's approval to spend to the cap. I'm sure Mario will be able to... Talk some sense into John Henry and all the other people with Fenway scores score better. I just don't think that's going to be an issue at all. And again, you know, just don't lose sight of the fact that Mario is still going to be there. You know, his importance to not only this team in this franchise, but this city um, is unmatched. What he's done is absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, everyone will remember that for the rest of their lives. So don't think that he's just going to magically walk away from the franchise. I'm sure he'll still be at the games. Again, he'll still be signing off on contracts, talking to the big guns and all that jazz. And I really do think he will be a big factor in Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin hopefully signing contract extensions um, either at some point during the season or after the season. So those are some of the more further details on the Penguins' potential pending sale. Again, we might see more details about this on Thursday if it gets officially announced. Remember, the Fenway Sports Group still has to have their big vote. I know the Penguins have to have theirs as well. And then, as I just said a few minutes ago, it has to go to the initial Board of Governors who will either approve or deny the sale. But, you know, they'll approve it, especially with what happened with the Arizona Coyote situation, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes with being sold to Tom Dundon, all that stuff. So that'll do it for this second segment of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Coming up in the next one, we will have some practice updates from today and you know, look at the lines and some of the notes as well. Also an entry update on Evgeny Malkin too. But before we do that, online they are back and better than ever. They have a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and that means more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. You can head to the new update a desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. Alright, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at the shows Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So Pittsburgh had their final practice before going on to this three-game road trip. The Lions, they basically remained the same. It looks like, you know, everyone was on the ice, so there was really um, no injuries or anything like that. There's no maintenance days, it looks like, either. So the top line remains intact. Jake Ansel with Sidney Crosby and Brian Rust. Jason Zorker with Jeff Carter and Kasperi Kapanen. Dominic Simone with Evan Rodriguez and Danton Heinen. And then Zach aston race with Teddy Blueger and Brock McGinn. Um, I guess they're going to continue to put Kapanen on the second line until he starts playing better. I know he had that hat trick um, about a week, week and a half ago against Minnesota, but you know since then it's just been the same old Kapanen that we saw before that hat trick. So I'm really hoping that this slump stops sooner rather than later. Defensively, pairings are the same. Brian Juman with Chris Letang, Marcus Pedersen, John Marino, Mike Matheson, and Chad Ruedel. So I guess... They're not really going to fix it unless they continue to keep losing. The extras were Brian Boyle, Sam Lafferty, and Mark Freeman. And then I would think that Tristan Jari is going to start against Montreal on Thursday. There was also an injury update on Evgeny Malkin. So I believe it was, I'm not really, I'm blanking on which reporter um, asked the question, but I do know Shelly Anderson of Pittsburgh Hockey Now wrote the article about it, um, and basically they were just they asked for an update on Evgeny Malkin just because we're now mid-November. They said December was the initial timeline for when he could be back. Um, he's been skating on and off for about a month now, has still not rejoined the team in practice as of yet, even um, in a non-contact capacity. And Sullivan did say he will not be coming up on this three-game road trip, but um, he has made a lot of progress, continues to skate well, Um, And they're very pleased with how his recovery is going. So that's really good. Obviously, you want to see him on the ice with his teammates sooner rather than later. But you know the fact that you know he's continuing to skate, he looks good while he's doing that. um, That's a really good sign. So hopefully, he's back here in the next few weeks because this team badly needs Gino right now, especially to take some of the load off Sid a little bit because Sid has not been himself, I don't think, um, ever since coming back. Even well, even after you know. The, the wrist surgery in that first game you could tell he was really rusty and then even the last couple of games after coming back from covid um his his timing and everything is not back yet either so i think it's just going to take him a few games to really get going this season you know he's he's a bit older now i think if he was a, was a bit younger um he probably would have had like you know five or six points in the first three games but you know that's what happens when you're in your mid 30s at this point but i think that'll do it for this episode of the on Penguins podcast, let's see if this team gets results on Thursday, man. I mean, again, they they really have to start banging points. I know I've been saying that ten thousand times in the last twenty four hours, but um, I, I just I can't stress it enough with where they are at in the standings. It looks so promising to start the season. I knew that wasn't going to continue with how they've really slided um, in the last week, week and a half, two weeks. I mean, it's just it's unacceptable. You know, people are starting to panic. Me personally, I'm not. I'm just definitely. Worried about some of the trends that I've been seeing Right now, But if there's anyone to get them out of it, it is Mike Sullivan. This is a very beatable Montreal team. They're one of the worst teams in the conference. Let's see if the Penguins can take advantage of that and get a big two points on the road in the Bell Center. The next episode of this podcast will be a game recap episode on Thursday. Uh, I'll be recording that around, I think, 9.30, 9.45 at night. And then Friday, I will have a preview episode of the game against Toronto and then maybe a little preview against the Winnipeg Jets as well. But doubt that'll do it for this one. I hope you all had a great time listening to this one and we will be back again on Thursday evening with another episode for this podcast. I'll talk to you all then.